everybody, I'm Adam Hergenrother, and this is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. Today, Hallie and I are going to jump into a continued conversation about um, how do you not have a revolt from your employees right now? And I think if there's any, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I think uh, one of the main conversations that, um, first of all, just even you and I have been having, mm-hmm. um, and I've been having with other owners of companies, like how are you addressing the money situation with employees? How are you addressing this? And I think um, there's and, a cool- And what do you mean by that? Meaning that like people are looking for more money, um, people have more opportunity out there right now. So how do you basically keep your talent? Right. That's that's the conversation. And, and how do you get ahead of it? How do you be proactive so that, um, you know, I was talking with somebody yesterday and they said, hey, my um, my top level employee walked into me and said, hey, I just took another job. And they were wondering why they didn't actually come to them and say, hey, I've just presented this other job. Can we talk about it? Um, and so they were a little kind of hurt, if you will, by that. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, there's some steps that you can take to start uh um, to being proactive to keep your employees as best as possible. And I think it's, it's just a really, whether you're an employee or an employer or a manager or a leader, it's really important right now to pay attention to this, which is why we're talking about it again. I mean, this is a big conversation and I think it's actually really interesting. Ray Dalio just came out with his new book, um, you know, principles for a changing world order, a new world order. Mm -hmm. And he does a really good job. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful read. He does a really good job of, of explaining the cycle that we're in right now. And he believes, and again, he, he said he's, you know how he tests things. So he talks about in the beginning of the book about how he would write it and then send it to experts in all different countries to have them basically vet it and what's wrong with this pointed out. And he did this over and over again until there's a point of no return. And then he wrote the book. Um, so I, it's vetted a lot. And, he, and he's like, but I don't know everything. So understand that, you know, how Ray Daly does those things. But one of the really interesting things that he was talking about in there is that we're in like this, this 75 to hundred year cycle right now that none of us listening to this have experienced because the last one was basically in the thirties and forties, um, the forties and 45, I think is when the, the new economy really invert in the United States really took off and actually started in Brentonwood, New Hampshire. I didn't realize that that's where they, the new, when he, when he talks about is the new economy kind of started in the U S and Brentwood, New Hampshire. Anyways, back to the, the point of this. Um, he, he's really, um, he's like, this is the pinnacle, the bubbling of this big cycle that we've all experienced these small inner cycles of this, but this big cycle about uh, of changing. And a lot of it has to do with inflation, hyperinflation, um, stimulus, meaning printing of money, debt from a country, right? Um, and then uh, kind of all spiraling out of control. And then really all these goods and services increase. So what happens, the reason why I'm bringing this up as an example is as, as everything costs more, how, I mean, I thought I saw, I said cars and used cars were up 30 to 40%. As most people know, housing is up, mm-hmm. I think about 40% right now, right now, which is just crazy. Right. Um, as, as even building like every other week, we get an email from our from our vendors that basically says effective immediately, we're increasing 4% on uh, all of our products. Yeah. Lumber prices just went back up. I think gas prices are It's just a little, everything. So then when people wake up and they go, and this has been, this trend has been happening almost all year, right? Because people have been printing money. I said people, the central bank has been printing money for stimulus during COVID. So all this new money started coming into the marketplace and it drove up demand for things. And coupled with the fact that they couldn't really produce things because factories were shut down and COVID practices and, and supply issues and, and trying to get cargo into different areas and ports and the backlogs of all this spiked up demand even more because there was less supply. Mm-hmm. So now we kind of create this perfect storm where all of these things are coming together and employees 
including an employer, right? But they're waking up and going, everything costs more. I need more money. It's kind of like that, like there's a cost of living typically that increases and they like to see that around 2%, right? It's 5%, 6%, right? These, these, these core economies uh, of that, that, that the cost money are just really increasing at a rate that's, that's never been heard of before. So what happens is, is, is employees then walk in and say, I need to get paid more. Mm-hmm. And, and because demand is so high for people's products, people are going out there and I don't have any employees and they start going, well, I'm going to go hire this person and I can go pay them. They're making hundred grand now or 50 grand. If they're making 50 grand now. I'm going to go pay them 75. Right. And then now it changes the bar for almost everybody. So now all of a sudden, and this is because well, it costs more to acquire talent right that's now. Exactly Therefore right. your existing talent may appear to be underpaid. Yes. Um, or, or may in fact be underpaid as, especially when you're there seeing what the acquisition of new talent looks yeah. like and so there's obviously those conversations happening like well you just hired this brand new person for seventy five thousand. Yes. am i gonna be raised up to seventy five thousand now yeah and, and that's the that's a challenge right now it's always been a challenge historically but right now um and, and people then people are seeing the news over four million people over the past four months have left their jobs right mm-hmm. what were you well, say? oh i was gonna say um uh, not to mention that the whole conversation we were talking about about having people stay your team member who's making 50 could leave and go to another company and make 75. That's exactly right. So do you, they like that example you just gave, they could ease, maybe not easily, but a lot of people right now could leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the percentage or the exact data, but I do know that the data says when you, um, you generally will get a raise when you move to another job. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes that's why people move every couple yes. of years too, because if you are moving to another company, you generally get a raise. Yes. Yeah. And it's rather than staying where you are. And I also think it's even in this article we talked about, you know, workers aren't just looking for higher pay, more time off, more days at home. It's all of these things. It's it's not, it's it's not just, Hey, what's my salary. Right. And I think that's an important part. It's like, so part of these things that we're going to talk about, there's five things that we think you can do to help um, prevent this, right? You're going to have some attrition in just an organization. It's just going to happen. You're going to hire some people. You're going to lose some people. It's just part of the the cycle for good reasons and other reasons that happen in there. One of the things I don't know if that we're going to end up talking about so I'm going to mention it right now is um, the importance of having stay interviews with your employees. Have yeah. you heard of that concept? Yeah. So that one, that person that you just used as an example, that employer maybe should have had a stay interview with them about three months prior or yeah. six months prior. Therefore, they would have had those conversations. What does it look like for you to stay at our company? What does it, what, where do you want to grow next? Like those sort of, it's not just a performance review and a compensation review. It's actually a, it's a stay. Yeah. It's, why do you want to stay? What a, How do I get you to stay? Before we jump into those five things, one of the things that I think is really interesting is to, to point out, and Ray talks about this in his book, and we're, we're seeing more articles come out about this, is that we're at this tipping point where inflation gets so high. Like this morning, as we do this, the Fed is going to be um, making a decision about whether they start cranking up interest rates, which mm-hmm. then makes everything more expensive, which slows down the economy. So all of a sudden, and this is, you know, I was on a phone call with a, a head of uh, HR for a very large company, and they were saying they'd never seen anything like this. But they said they're also going to, you're going to see the whiplash of this effect too, which means as employers gear up for demand, and we, I'll give you an example because we already just saw this in the mortgage industry, but as people gear up for demand, they start paying whatever prices they need to, to be able to support the demand. But as, as if the economy starts to constrict, which it will, it mm-hmm. just does, everything goes in a cycle. And I think we're at that point right now. Uh, as it starts to constrict, um, all those top paid people that they were paying get laid off. And so well, that, not even top paid, just like they may have hired- well, That's what I mean. They hired a whole bunch of people- extra people to- 
Well, well, my point is that like even so, then the margins start shrinking on a, from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to go and say, "Well, our salaries are the biggest expense in most every business," and they're going to start going, "Who did we just bring in here? That fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars, right?" That all of a sudden that goes back down to sixty. Now, the, the, there may be a new floor, which I think mm-hmm. is, is which is fine. That's that's the co- I mean, everything has a new floor throughout throughout life, except for commodities. Commodities go backwards, but talent, capital talent, capital acquisition has always increased, which mm-hmm. I think is, and so isn't real estate, and so isn't stock market, by the way, right? Even crypto. <laughs> I mean, even in crypto, like there's a new floor. So, right. so understand that there's always a new floor. And I think that floor has been set for housing, by the way, for stock market, by the way, and for capital assets. Um, so anyways, when we, when we start to see this, it's going to be really interesting when businesses start to have to shrink their margins, where they go, and they're going to go attack their salaries, which is going to flood open a lot of people that that um, that had a job to no longer have a job, and they may not have the stimulus coming in from the economy like they did over the last two years, and so they wake up and their reserves are pretty much gone because they think it's never going to end, and all of a sudden they're scrambling to take a job. Now all of a sudden it puts businesses back in the seat of going, now there's more employees here to be able to pull from everything's in a cycle. Sure. And so we're just going to, businesses and just employ everyone's just going to be very careful about this because as Ray talks about it in his book, he talks about it, it's like a, it's calculated uh, it's like un, unproven calculated net worth, meaning like it's worth, but it's not real. And that's, and that's what happens with inflate, hyperinflation because it comes back down and, and constricts. Um, for It's like in the housing market, right? People go, you know, how are people paying all this cash for their house? Well, because if your house was 300,000 before, now it's 500 grand, you owed a hundred, you have $400,000 when you sell your house. So you're taking that $400,000 or a good chunk of it and you're putting it down on your $600,000 house. Mm-hmm. That's how people have cash. And so what I say, what I'm telling people is like, it's almost like you've made money by selling. And if you bought something else, you've put the equity that was created during this hyperinflation into something else. Now, 600 may come back down to 500. You're still actually ahead if you see it the way I'm describing it. Even though it feels like a, a, a downturn, you're still actually ahead because the money that was created was actually false in itself. Now, how do you win with this is to sell hard assets and not put it back into something that's going to fall back down until it falls and then put it back in. Okay. That's actually the, yeah, we're, we're, like, we're off track here a little bit. Yeah, I was it's, also going to say there's a lot, a lot of words that. <laughs> yes. Well, it's kind of like Warren Buffett yeah. talks about when he says, you know, be, be, be greedy whenever everyone else is fearful and be fearful when everybody else is greedy. Yeah, like if you had the $400,000, wouldn't you, I mean, my thought would be awesome. I'll go buy a $250,000 house and take the additional money and invest it. Well, you think differently than most people. Even yeah. in, the, in the, the, I was reading the book for the, because the, the, next, other the is, next millionaire next door. Yeah. And it's just as people, people don't operate that way though. Yeah. Yeah. Because putting it into the $600,000 house, that's just wealth. That's exactly right. That's not net worth, but is it a false yeah, that's, that's, that's what, and that's what yeah. Ray's talking about in his book yeah. is that there's been a lot of false net worth that's created. Some people will win by extracting it and holding mm-hmm. on to it or whatever that is yeah. for different posts. Anyways, th- we yeah. bring that up because it's important for no matter where you are, wherever you are, your employee or business owner, your manager to understand the kind of dynamics that are at play here. And there's going to be an adjustment just like Ray talks about in his book and, and whatever that looks like, we don't entirely know. I thought it was interesting right before we got on the podcast that you mentioned that Google had come yes. out recently and said that they are not going to be blanket raising raising salaries salaries which i get is interesting because we did talk about the whole cost of living increase which is pretty standard yeah but then in addition to that there is all these you know additional raises that we're talking about right now but it's like it is like it's an artificial yeah uh, inflation and what they're what people are afraid of is having to go raise this and then having to lay people off because their margins are eroded right when things start to come back down and demand subsides, there's going to be products become cheaper. It's just how it works. That's that's basic macroeconomics, right? When supply is high, 
when when supply is out there in surplus, it costs less. Well, I was gonna. I don't know if this is maybe the same thing, but like, and then the cost of talent actually is less. Less. Too. That's exactly yeah. right. Right now, cost of talent's really high. It's, high. it's through yeah. the roof. But then in a very, and that happened very fast, by the way. That's right. A year, 18 months, and that's going to flip again. Just like in the housing market, people don't, I've been in the housing market since 2006, so I've watched this whole thing up and down through all these different areas. And man, it can be like on a Saturday, it's the booming market. On Sunday at 4 a.m., it's a different market. It stays that way for three years. It's the craziest thing. It just shuts off. And the minute that happens, though, there's the trickle effect. And that's where I think we're getting to. And so I think, and even right now, the stock market's been kind of been, been dropping more, even though sometimes it hits its highs, partly because I think investors are just going, it were actually, um, I was, I was talking to a, a West Palm agent, um, who, who deals with high end and basically they're like, it's crickets, mm. it's crickets. All of a sudden that market's dried up because people are going, I'm not going to take all my money and put it into a house that is all of a sudden. So now you're starting to see it in that in the CEO from good.com that, mortgage company better.com better or whatever he is end up taking a leave of absence because he fired people the wrong way and i don't yes. really know the whole story so i can't comment on it too much yeah. but i saw the headline but the reality was is he laid off i think like 900 people 900. Mm-hmm. because the mortgage industry they staffed up during this mortgage reboom refinance reboom yes. refinances have dried up so you're starting to see it already happening so now all of a sudden they went and said well there's no more refinance we don't need these 900 people that service refinance anymore you're off mm-hmm Right. And that's, and that's what's happened. So then all of a sudden that's going to happen in almost every industry. It was a good business decision, a bad delivery. Yes, that's exactly. Well, they, they, everything is, you know, a business fundamentally is about creating efficiencies, right. And turning a profit. Right. And, and why I, that can, that's one component. While I still believe that you can create a wonderful company, you have engaged employees, enthused people to be at work. And there's a lot of things that I think you can do. So what are those things that we can, we can do? I was going to say, one of them is just, you know, creating a better workplace, but like treating your, treating your employees as humans. Yes. That's a really basic way to say it. And actually considering, you know, how they feel, what they need, what they want. Even physically safe work environments. Like we take that for granted because you have a physically safe work environment, but like people, some people don't, right? Like just really like the fundamental things like, you know, and again, the treating people with fairness and respect and actually, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and letting, and, and, and knowing that people's work, people want to know their work is meaningful. Right. It's really one of the biggest things about creating a better workplace. And and I I don't want to say, let's just define meaningful. Meaningful doesn't necessarily mean like you're uh, saving the world. Mm-hmm. It can sometimes just be like, it actually matters to your boss yes. or it matters to your team members. Yeah. And, and I think the, the really cool thing about this is like, you know, um, you can celebrate the employees wins that are meaningful to them. So that could, that's what I mean by being meaningful yeah. is that like all of a sudden how you may work on a presentation for me and it was super meaningful to me, the work that you just did so I could deliver this. Or whatever that is, right? Yeah. That's just as an example. Somebody may create a spreadsheet or they may create a flyer, whatever that is, and super meaningful work to them that they did. Mm-hmm. So and that's part of creating this work workplace, a better workplace is, is letting everybody know that the work is meaningful to you and celebrate and recognize those contributions, right? Um, you know, earning people's trust. I mean, how often do we, we use that word in businesses, but you mean, are you communicating openly and honest so that you, you know what's happening and how it impacts the people, you know, there's just in support. And I also think like we put on one of our, um, for Livian, one of our organization, we're doing this obviously, um, resonates with the whole organization, but putting like employee wealth and well-being top of mind, like things like, you know, can you offer free health coaching? Now that's more of a group. It's not like you're going to buy everybody an instructor. You could, but meaning like, can you just bring awareness around it? Right. Whatever that looks like. I'm yeah, just giving you examples. Wellness programs, having different services available 
or mental health. Yeah, that's or, exactly right. Or just physical health. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and mental health, people hear mental health and they're like, well, what's something's wrong with you? Well, do yeah. something wrong with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, thankfully, I think it's becoming less, way less stigmatized and I it hope is. it continues to be so. And, and that's why I said it in light like that because there's, I mean, we all have mental, You, I have mental health problems, you have mental health problems. Yeah. I don't have to put you on the spot, but like yeah. we all do though. That All that uh, means absolutely. is that there's like this, that voice that's in your head that likes to um, bring you down or cause shame. Or That's just, that's natural for everybody. Everyone has those challenges and we just need to talk through them sometimes. I think that's, that's all. Yes. And then I just want to make sure we distinguish yes, between there is, the yes. actual like physiological yes, yes. Um, issues as well. Yes, I know. Thank yeah. you for saying, but in there, and there are, and those are yes. real DSM criteria. Like they need professional help. That's, that's Correct. absolutely. But a lot of us do have these, these mental struggles, challenges, mm-hmm. whatever you want to talk, mental health, whatever they are. And I think being open about a lot of those things in the workplace, I actually see that, um, uh, as, as, uh, you know, there's different debates about this. Like as a workplace, do you go deep into this? Do you not go deep into this? Do you do, I, I think there's a way to do it. That's, that's irrelevant for your culture. That could just be providing experts. I think personally, I, I think yeah. it's very much about providing the, the appropriate resources because I didn't go to school. I didn't go to school or become trained as an expert in mental health coaching yeah. or, um, any, I, yeah. or psychology. Yeah. But do I know enough as a person and as a leader to make sure I get the right resources for the team? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So all of that, whatever that makes sense for you and your organization, it's about number one, creating a better workplace. That's where people should start because again, like we said, it's not just about salary increases. It's about employees workplace, how they're living, what and that could be. Do you have, are you allowed remote working? right? At all, right? Maybe not every day, but are you allowing that, right? It's all of those kind of factors that are combined there. What does that look like for you? I I just want to actually say one other thing about that. A big piece of that and some of the research that they had here had to do with um, ensuring that the leadership and the management were really great leaders and managers. And so in fact, creating a great workplace is actually making sure you have good leaders and that they get continuous training on how to continue to be great, great leaders. leaders. Yeah. Cause it didn't say like the actually the majority of people, if you read the, the research actually left their job because of poor leadership. 57% said they quit a job because of a bad 57%, boss. 57%, right? 50% feel their own performance would improve if their boss received better management training. That's huge. Yeah. That's 100%. That's more than 84% of U.S. workers say poorly trained managers create a lot of unnecessary stress. And those are all things that are going to lead to your employees leaving. And That's going exactly somewhere right. Else. So the point is, how are you, and when we read that, we were like, how do we train our managers and leaders better? Right. How, do we, how do we bring more how do we bring more experts to them or how do we train them or how do we bring more programs to make them better leaders so they can effectively that in and of itself can create a better work. That's exactly work environment. Right. Yeah. Great point. All right. Number two. Burnout yeah. is always a big, big conversation. How do we address burnout? How do we identify it? How do we mitigate it? Go. Well, I think, <laughs> I think there's, there's, I think number one is, is ensuring that employees, and this kind of goes number one about finding a better workplace. It, and when it comes to burnout, making sure that they're in the right lane, meaning mm-hmm. that they're actually working on the job they're really good at. We use behavioral assessments and tools that way to help identify people who may not know necessarily what their strengths are or where they really want to show up. And we do, and we work hard to make sure people are finding the lane that they really want to work in. Because in, in our experience, and this is, I don't have necessarily research to show it, but just from running organizations, is when people are in the roles that they really, really enjoy. Now, look, I get it. There's parts of the job that suck, right? There's mm-hmm. part, this happens, part of those things. But when they're actually, 90% of the time, they're actually doing what they enjoy doing, even though it is a work for exchange for money, but they enjoy doing it, there's a lot less burnout. It's when people are in roles that they're, they're stressed to be in because it's hard for them to actually do the job. Mm-hmm. There's way more burnout. And I think that's a great place to start um, just to make sure people are actually in the roles that are serving them and they're serving the role. Yeah. Um, the, it, 
burnout is actually a diagnosable state of emotional, physical, mental exhaustion brought out by long, brought on by long-term stress, which is super interesting. And then you're right. That is one of the best ways as employers that we can actually help mitigate some of that stress is by making sure people are on the right lane. I actually thought that this quote here about what people sometimes call burnout is called the erosion of the soul. I saw that. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And yeah. I think that goes, I mean, it feels really yeah. like heavy, but true. Yeah. The erosion of the soul. And I think that goes back to what we were just talking about is are people in the right lanes? And yeah. if they're not, we use a, a, um, a system called uh, career consulting, right? Like, and really what it is, is when you're meeting with the person, what's their next logical career move? Mm -hmm. It may or may not be with you. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's important for people to understand. And, and if it's not with you, then help them as much as you can get to something else. They, it'll come back. I promise it will. It just always does. Um, so that's, that's really important is to, is to really, I think starting there, I was going to say, and encourage time off, time off and yes. rest and make sure people are actually taking their vacations. Yes. Help them, um, get, you know, help them unplug if they're having mm -hmm. difficulty maybe with their time management and they really need to take an if afternoon off, yeah. help with that. Yes. If you're a smaller group, maybe you can hire a company to answer the phone for a couple, you know, a couple days yeah. while somebody or do job sharing yeah, for job, a little exactly. bit. Yeah. There's, there's ways to do it. If you have a small company, even if you're a bigger company, it's the same thing, job right. sharing, right? Yeah. Those things. So, um, so again, give people, cause people do need some time off. Now what that means to each person, understand what that is, yes, right? Cause it's different. It is. Some people just need a day. Some people need a week for six months and they're good. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, cause you and I are a little bit different on that. I, I enjoy having a little bit more time more frequently, mm. um, off, but I don't really love long term vacations. I feel like we're actually exactly the same. On okay. That. I thought we were, yes. <laughs> Um, I like both actually. So. And I don't mind. It's not yeah. that long term. I actually, cause I, I do four day vacations. I don't do much longer than that. Well, that's what I mean. Like some people are like, Hey, I need a two week vacation. No, for me that's to do way that. too long for me. It, it is for me too. Um, though I don't know if I've ever had a two week vacation. I've never so had I don't, either. I don't know how I say that. <laughs> I and like, I don't want people to be like, well, you should try I think it. The longest I've ever, it was a six night, seven day. Actually I was, when I was in France, we were gone for like 13 oh, days. Yeah, you did. It yeah. Was, it was pretty, it was nice. Yeah. But I, I still, even towards the end of that, I was like, Hey, I want to. Yeah, want to start ready. anyways that's point is figure out what the what what you and what you're if you're an employee and then then go present that to people i was talking to a guy last night who um, helps out with doing some stuff at our house and he's got a new job and and he's uh and he was trying to figure out some hours there and i said well hey why don't you just go talk to them and this is one of his first kind of new jobs and he's a younger individual i said why don't you go talk to your organization and say hey on a certain day can i come in at seven or six thirty and be leave, leaving at three so that um, this, this so you can continue to do this and get extra money and do those different things. And he goes, that's great. I can do that. I go, of course you can. One of my first jobs I had, I actually, every job I've ever went to, I had two jobs essentially before I started my own company and they were short, short lived. But basically I went to them and I said, hey, can I create my own schedule? And they let me. Now I wasn't working from home, but I said, can I come in um, at seven and, and whenever I came in at eight and I wanted an hour and a half for lunch. So, cause during that time I went and worked out during lunch, if you remember mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big thing for me. So I wanted to go do that during lunch. So I wanted an hour and a half cause an hour is not enough time. So I could do that. And then I left a half an hour early. Yep. Um, so it just, it, and they were fine with it. They were like, it, it's about, so again, I think part of creating a better workplace, different things is about, um, number three, which is change how you define and measure work. Right. Outcomes on hours. Exactly. Which is number three, which is not hours. And again, there are some positions that are purely hourly. We understand that. Correct. A lot of service-based, knowledge-based, computer, like those type of industries, you can focus on on results. You know, and here's the other thing: is just giving flexibility on how you define and measure work. So, if right now, like you, you know, you you're they have kids for as an example, right? And they're 
They have a baseball game at three o'clock in the afternoon. You want to coach them. Great. Let them go coach that. Right. And just make sure that they may either jump on earlier. They might jump on in the evening they may be more focused during their time, whatever it is. I think that's, that's a really big benefit for having an organization where people stay at, which is giving them that, that freedom to get the results done but how to manage their calendar throughout the day. And it goes back to what you said earlier, Hallie, which is um, treating people like adults. Mm. And that's kind of the line that we've used for a long time is that we just want to treat our employees like adults, meaning that, look, if you got a daughter, you don't have to tell me of daughter's appointment, right? Go to it. If you got to go get your kids, go to it. Like just at the same time, we're really clear on what the results are. Just make sure those are done as well too. Yeah. And the only thing I was going to say is that I actually do appreciate the communication. I don't need to know what they're doing. I just need to, I just like to know what the, the general schedule is so that I can either jump in if need it's all about communication yeah yeah, yeah you're absolutely right on that yeah. I, I mean meaning that I, my point when that was like i don't care that you're doing it just, correct just I don't let either. us know that you're yes. that you're not going to be there what it is and we'll give you the freedom because yeah. there is no there's work-life integration which we call living right yeah. that's it's just living now and yeah. so there's because you, your phone in there even though i think it's really fascinating to actually see what other organ what other com- countries are actually doing right now and i brought this up in an email the other day like i think france is at a 35 year 35 hour work week hour work week is illegal or something like that afterwards or there's, there's very some countries big that have started to implement after hours portugal did and possibly new zealand yeah i mentioned is it i think they both have like after six it's like you can be penalized if a manager yeah. or leader emails or connect, contacts with somebody else yeah. i don't know all the issues my whole point of saying that is there's a lot of people that are doing it and actually when when the individual said mentioned to us about france they said by the way france has one of the highest well-being ratings yeah, so and, uh, this is just, I think, that it's so funny. Cause Ray Dalio talk- actually talks about this in his book about Switzerland. I'm not surprised, yeah. About being such a, because it's, it's a strong world or, or country. Mm-hmm. It's got good demand. It's got good output. But at the same time, it measures high because of how they value things. Yeah, well, speaking of Ray Dalio, we were talking about all these cycles and, and just cyclical things. And I know we've talked about this on a previous podcast that I do think this it's swinging back in the other direction. Like, yeah. Um, in fact, at some point we need to talk about this, about the whole work-life integration thing. I do think, as we're seeing in some other countries, it's almost swinging back. Like people are trying to reclaim some of their personal yeah. life and create actu- and actually create more boundaries rather than just letting yes. it spill over into every aspect yeah. of their life. Um, so, Yeah, it's good. Yeah. One of the things that even we, we've even implemented this, and we have some work to, to do this to implement it, but I, I want to do like no, no meeting Friday, which I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of for my own life. So I said, well, why wouldn't we do it for everybody else? Take some time to do that. We have to get through. I think Citigroup uh, implemented that. I know a lot of companies. Yeah, they have no, like no yeah. appointment Friday. Now I can hear the arguments on both sides, but my yeah. thing is like, if you can't get the appointments done that you need to in the first four days, the whole point of having that Friday, it's not that you don't work. It's so that you can wake up and go, I've got a day mm-hmm. <laughs> where I can be creative. I can think I can. And I think it's really important for an organization too. All right. Number four. Um, rewarding and recognizing talent. We talked a lot about that actually yeah. in the be- beginning of this whole yes. podcast about the importance of both the recognition, recognizing their mean- meaningful contributions, and then and rewarding them, whatever that means. Yeah. Stay- staying bonuses, loyalty bonuses, extra pay time off. I do think that's a time to have those stay interviews. Yeah. And find out what is actually important to your talent. Because people are in different seasons of their life. Somebody Absolutely. may go like, hey, I actually don't want any time off. I'd rather be paid more. Right. And some people may say, hey, I'd actually rather have three weeks off or two weeks off during this period or whatever that is, or an extra two weeks in addition to what I get. And great. That, I mean, it's a cost to an employer either way. So just, I think it's really important to understand where people are in their seasons of their life. Because I can think of some people in our organization who would not, who actually are in seasons of their life where they don't want to actually not work. 
And in fact, they're, they're, and cause I remember that season in my life too, right? I can think of some yes. younger individuals that are in an organization. They're like, they're still hunting, if you will, quite frequently. And they just want to be that. That's mm-hmm. fine. Support that. But then the same token, there's other people that are going, I'm in a different season. I want to go recharge. Awesome. Both are amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. And just the point is just how do you reward each individual by doing what you said earlier, having that stay interview? I think it's really important. And then number five. I'm focusing on your talent team. And I think that for me, that means both um, like leveling up your hiring and recruiting team, but also your career development and leadership yes. development, um, either it's curriculum or training or programming. It's, so it's not in, just investing in your current talent as well as looking for external talent to bring onto the team. Yeah, it's 87% of millennials rate professional or career growth and development opportunities as a top factor when job hunting. I mean, that's almost yeah. 90%. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. So think about that. It's like, so what are your, if you have a professional and career growth and development opportunities, are they clear? Mm-hmm. Do people know what they are, right? Do they know how to access them? Do they know them? how to access them? What are they, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, your organization should be offering, you know, a robust range of learning opportunities too, right? From diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, wellness, manager training, you're investing into cutting edge programs, right? To use best practices to drive real behavior change. All this. Yeah. That's like all the personal growth yes, coaching and training that we talk about. And that's yeah. why business is nothing but a conduit for personal growth or hence this whole entire podcast. Why we started it was because why don't you use business as an opportunity to grow? That's been our ethos since day one for the organization. Yes. You're building. Yes. You need to turn a profit. Yes. You've got to hire and fire people. Yes. You've got all those challenges. Use it all as a way to grow. Right. And, and then I think to your point, I think there really is a secular change that's, that's occurring in the workplace where leaders can't dodge leader like they could before. Like, or, like as a leader, you have to take stance on things. Now you have to, um, and, and you get to pick it. Well, I was going to say you, you don't have to, well, you, but you have true. to just understand what the consequences yes. are or who you may attract or who you may because you, turn off. That's what I mean, yes. right? That's what I attract one way or another, right? Because yeah. if you if you don't change some of these things, it doesn't mean you're going to go out of business. Yeah. It just means that you may wake up one day and not be happy with your culture, right? Or maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe that's because that's who that's who it is. Maybe we're talking about two different things. What did you mean when you said take a stance on things? Well, I just meant like um, I think like you know employee health benefits, um, uh, like enthusiasm for their job, making sure people in the right roles. Um, what can you do to support them? And, and kind of, we look at like the factors of like, how do you help them manage their own personal finances, mm-hmm. getting on personal finance training, whether that's hiring somebody that's a Dave Ramsey course or whatever other course or somebody that's really good at your organization, teaching it what mm-hmm. they do, right. To what does spirituality or personal growth mean to them? That could be a hobby or that could be learning a religion or it could not be, it could be learning more about um, helping recommend recommend them or giving somebody a bonus to, um, pay for them to get certified in some sort of meditation, right? There's, there's that kind of growth. And then there's health and wellness, which could be different for everybody. That could just be how I want to, you know, help organizing my meals better to everything from, I want to go do an Ironman and everything in between. Right. I think it's just that, that focus on that of providing these resources to the people that are around you the most. I'm going to say it in like a kind of a more of a cynical way, (laughs) but, but basically what I'm hearing is you have made an invest. I mean, companies do not run without people. We make an investment into our talent and we need to um, manage our investment. Yeah. I know that's a really like well, I mean, cynical if, way to say it, but I mean, sports that's teams, what it is, right? That's what they do, right? Yeah. Sports teams are investing into people and they get them the best people around them to yes. keep them performing the best. Right. And yes, it is impl- about- Can't you have both? Oh, 100%. And I think, just being, yeah. I think what you're saying is being open and honest about it. It's not like, yeah. hey, we're doing all this stuff purely for you. You're doing yeah. it for both. 
That's right. a win-win. But I do think it's incredibly important because without yes. the people in your organization, there is no organization. That's, there that's is exactly no company. Right. And you're just continuing, constantly investing and reinvesting into your biggest asset yes. for your organization. That's exactly right. So if there's anything that you can, um, you know, from this conversation, where, where do you start, right? Like where would you suggest somebody starts to take action here? Um, what comes to mind for me immediately is, is go talk to your t- current team members and have stay interviews. Yeah. I think that's great. Because t- stay, keeping your talent is far less expensive yes. and just overall better for the organization simply because of their institutional knowledge of your company. And you may also realize that they might not be the right person. So that's good too. But more often than not, it's going to just actually help you understand what they want, what motivates them and uh, how you can continue to work with them so everyone grows. Yeah, and when you're doing that stay interview, you could always ask the question is, is what would you do to make this place a better place to work? And I kind of think of it as like, how do you be the, the reason why somebody else wants to show up for work? That's a strong way to create a sense of community, right, and team um, within your workplace. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. I want to let you know that applications are now open for our next session of Project U. Project U is our year-long full immersion training program for leaders and high achievers. Only 25 participants are accepted to the program each year, and the results are transformational for every single one of them. Hear what Chris, a participant from our 2020 session, had to say about the program. I'm in a better place now mentally, physically, with my business, and with my relationship than I ever could be. I have Project U to thank for that. Well, thank you for that, Chris. Learn more and apply at adamhergenrother.com slash project dash you or find the link in the show notes. See you next week for another episode of Business Meets Spirituality.